Friends with Cinefits. I am your host, Alex McAllister. Thank you for listening. We're going to get right into it again this week. I have a very special guest with me from Not A Bomb Podcast, Brad. Brad, say hello. Hi, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Pretty good. I was going to do this joke because uh, my wife and I have started to rewatch The League. Did you ever watch The League before? Yes, I did. Okay, so there's a guy named Taco and he says, bang, bang, what's the hang? And I was like, <laughs> four people will get that. So I'll just say, hey. So I wouldn't have, have remembered that. So I'm oh. glad you didn't. I would have been very flustered. <laughs> um, yeah, that got me into fantasy football and now I'm like way too into it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Exactly. Just wait till you find gambling, man. Then you'll really be in Trouble. Yeah, I've been doing like the DraftKings um, lineups and stuff. I made six hundred bucks this year on it. Nice. Yeah, last that'll th- never. Now that's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen because that'll never happen again, and yep. you'll always have that itch. And- exactly. Every other year, I've lost like a hundred bucks, and then yeah. I don't know. It worked out this year. Um, so what are, what are we talking about? Not fantasy football, right? Exactly. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this week we are talking about 1988's Akira. Um, you recommended to this movie. Um, I think I told you I'd never seen it. Yeah. And, and go I, on. I recommended it because the 4k edition just came out, um, recently, right before Christmas. It was like yeah. December 22nd. Um, I will say anyone who bought that and Alex, this is for you too. You need to, uh, send some information to Funimation because the 4k you have is not HDR. So be prepared to have to send some information to them so they can send you a new disc. I didn't know that. Thank you yes. for that feedback. Yes. That's like, why did that happen? Did they just, I, they've, so there's been some weird stuff with disc before. Um, I know the 4k edition of like that four um, Alfred Hitchcock sets. I have um, that. One of them has the wrong audio track on it. So yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. It's weird that, as someone who does like QA and make sure things and controls are in place, mm-hmm. when things like that happen, it just blows my mind. So. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I was going to ask before we get into the movie, how did you watch this? Um, like, did you watch it with like dubbed in English or just. Oh, yeah. So that was going to be one of my questions for you. Okay. I have seen this movie, I was telling you before we started recording. Mm-hmm. I've, I've probably watched this movie, well, I've, 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 it's been in my life for like 25 years. Um, right now I just watched the, the dove version. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the subtitles enough, but you know, to me, there's so much going on on the screen that it's kind of distracting to have to read. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my only caveat is not having text on the screen because you know, you want to see everything going yeah. on is, is my preference. Okay. See, I watch every movie with subtitles anyways. Um, and this one, I started watching it English dubbed and with subtitles, and they didn't match. And oh, gosh. so I was like, I can't really do this without the subtitles because I don't know. I'm way too young to have hearing problems, but anytime <laughs> someone says something, I'm like, what? Um, so I did listen. I listened to the Japanese version and just used the subtitles, which when taking notes, I had to pause a lot. But hey, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, before we get into the movie, I did want to bring up um, that you are our famous listener who has had the most problems with me giving Scream a two. I, uh, 
Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, why Why do you feel it should be a three? Because Scream is probably... So you in the 80s, you had like the slasher era, right? Mm-hmm. And then 90s Screams comes along and kind of ushers in like the modern, our modern era of horror as we see it now. Okay. Um, very referential, very sort of tongue-in-cheek. Characters know they're in a horror movie, but... It, it's kind of brings like a sophistication also to horror too. Mm-hmm. Like there's people do some dumb things, but a lot of times they're not as uh, damsel in distress sort of way. Um, but it's just such an important film and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I will say that there's probably not a better horror movie beginning than in scream. Yeah. that's um, true. And the end is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, it's, you know, it was one of those horror movies that I've, I've seen so many times. So when people don't love it as much as I do, mm-hmm. I automatically start to, you know, get the gloves on. Yeah. So I can start fighting. But I can understand you being a little bit younger than I mm-hmm. and coming to it later um, because it is very 90s. Um, but then again, it's still a perfect film and you should give it a three. So maybe watch it again and, and we'll, we'll have this discussion another time. Okay. Um, that is something, um, I guess why I brought this up is the more that I think about like the movies that I've watched for the podcast, there's some that like I gave a two and I'm like, I actually like in my memory, like that movie more than I did at the time. I just needed time to let it like grow. And that's one of them. And then there's so you're other gonna tell ones. Me you, were, you were wrong about it. Is this, is this what you're going to come out and say? Okay. Yeah. I think I was wrong, but I'll rewatch it in October and okay. come up with the, you know, final conclusion. Um, but does that ever happen to you? Like when you and Troy review bombs or anything you're like man this one sucks like maybe uh ready to rumble or something and then now that you think about it you're like wow that that's an incredible movie no i will never say that ready to rumble (laughs) is is an incredible movie it's funny because troy and i have known each other for a long time and he basically will know as soon as the movie's over if i'm gonna like it or not Mm -hmm. Um, we just did memoirs of an invisible man Mm -hmm. which is a john carpenter film um, starring Chevy Chase um, from like 1992. And when we were done recording, I was like, dude, you knew I was not going to like that movie. And he's like, exactly. It was way too vanilla. So usually when I like things, it's got to have something. Mm-hmm. It's got to be dialogue or style or, or something that I can attach to. Um, so like Ready to Rumble is not in that category. Okay, yeah. um, it's it's not funny or anything like that. Um <laughs> But, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty uh, set in my ways once it comes to a film. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had movies in the past that I've come around on. Um, Maybe they were too complex when I first saw them or something like that. Like, um, I went into Shutter Island, the Martin Scorsese movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, thinking it was one thing. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be completely different. And I hated it the first time I saw it. So I made myself like go back to the theater the next day because it's Scorsese, it's Leonardo. Yeah. Like I have to like this movie. And then I, when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, wait, that was my expectations just being dumb. So mm-hmm. I so, remember yeah. when I first saw that movie, I was like, I wasn't excited to watch it because I wasn't really into, you know, Scorsese. I didn't know who he was or anything. And I thought it was going to be a horror movie. And then it turned out not really being a horror movie. And it was the type of movie I did like. 
So yeah. I was like the opposite. I watched it and was yeah, like, you're... this is incredible. Yeah. And it is an incredible movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think sometimes your expectations were uh, can, can definitely sway you on that, which was why I was a little bit worried about this one, because when you said you hadn't seen it, I was like, oh, you really need to watch it because it's amazing. And I didn't want to like set the bar too high. Yeah. So. Um, I was also nervous about it because I think, don't you like Blade Runner as well? Yes. Yeah. And Blade Runner in, so science fiction, I guess if you like gun to my head, mm-hmm. would be my favorite genre. So. Okay. Yeah. I watched Blade Runner for the first time and I fell asleep, which doesn't happen to me. Um, yeah. And so I was very nervous about this one, but I really enjoyed it. So that's the spoiler. Um, okay. So I'll just go ahead and get into it. Um, I was going to read a synopsis, but I forgot to pull it up. So one second. Good luck on the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been doing IMDb's because they're like shorter <laughs> and I don't know. They're, they're just easier to read. So I'm going to do that right now. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by two teenagers and a group of psychics. Ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what that movie is? Is this what this movie is about? Okay. I'm not even really sure what this movie is about. Like, I can follow the plot, but there's like, with Blade Runner, you know it's like, kind of about what it means to be human and stuff like that and then this i don't i'm not sure maybe it's like the the post um atomic bomb that has something to do with it so so i guess an important uh thing to mention is this is based the source material is a manga that is over 2300 pages long yeah um the akira part of this movie is basically like half of one and then the last book or something like that Mm -hmm. so it's not a huge part of the overall story Mm -hmm. um so they're you know kind of picking and choosing some characters in this film are way bigger in the manga than than they are in the movie so again you know it's like peter jackson taking all the lord of the rings books and then making like one movie Mm -hmm. instead of like three so it's kind of in that context you know you're condensing the source material down quite a bit and you're stepping on the gas and just going. Yeah. Uh, have you read any of the manga? Yeah, it's been 10 years or mm-hmm. so. So I kind of vaguely remember some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't read as much anymore. So Yeah. Yeah, once I finished this movie and started researching it, I was like, oh, this like this was based on something. I kind of want to read it. And then, yeah. yeah, it seemed very long and tedious. So I was like... Uh, it's actually really good. And mm-hmm. like the artwork in the movie, it, it holds up quite a bit. So mm-hmm. it, you would probably think you just got it right off the shelf okay. um, out of, you know, 2021. So cool. it holds up really well. Yeah, just like the movie does, I would say. Yes. Um, so I'm going to give some of the background on it. If you have anything to say speak up i know i think this is normally your part on the podcast like rotten tomatoes and all that but no go right ahead um, steal my thunder yeah there we go <laughs> so this has a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes both critic and user score um the budget was five and a half million do- u.s dollars which i think they said was a billion a billion yen yen yep yep um and then 
Do you know about the box office? Because I saw like two places where it said 25 million and then one place where it said 49 million. Well, it's been re-released a bunch of times. Exactly. So that is why um, <clears throat> I think when it's like 20 year anniversary, they released it again because I remember seeing it in the theater then. Mm-hmm. So its initial run, I know it ex- wasn't really a huge success, but in subsequent releases and years and all that stuff, it's it's become huge. Yeah, so. um, I think I saw it had eighty million in um, home video sales. Yeah, which... well, to to be fair, I have owned this film. Ugh. So <clears throat> when it when I was like thirteen years old, they mm-hmm. used to run a commercial for anime films at like late at night, mm-hmm. and I begged my parents to buy me the VHS of this. Um, and they did. And then it was like, okay, then I bought the DVD when that came out. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the Blu-ray when that came out. And then I bought the Japanese version of the 4K because <laughs> I wanted it early because it came out like last year in April. Mm-hmm. And it had the English dubbed on it. So it was like, you're basically getting the movie early. Mm-hmm. And then I got the English version as well. So, you know, this is one of those movies that I can literally look over my shelf and see it like, five or six times yeah so that's pretty cool and then on your podcast i think when you guys were doing i don't remember the name of the movie the Werner herzog movie i think troy asked um like what movie got you into you know not just like the main u.s like box office movies but foreign films and stuff like that and you said akira yeah akira um, yeah 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 mine was it's not even one of the foreign films. It was Midsummer, and I started like um, watching interviews with Ari Aster, and yeah. he said that like a huge influence was Ingmar Bergman. So then I got into his movies, and then okay. now I'm yeah. just all over the place. So, yeah. dude, I want to see Green Knight so bad. I know, same. <laughs> Ugh. Um, are you going? Did you look at the board game for it that they were selling on A24? I have not. No, no. Yeah, I mean, it looks like I know they sell a bunch of cool stuff on their site, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I thought about buying it, um, but then I was like, I'm gonna wait and watch the movie first, and then see if I like it. Uh, Yeah, there's a good chance you will. Yeah. So the both the movie was directed by, and the manga was created by the same guy. His name is Katsuhiro. Otomo. Otomo, yeah. Um, Very good. I might do terrible on a lot of these pronunciations, but oh well, we all make mistakes. Um, so he wrote the Akira manga from 1982 to 1980 in Young Magazine. 1990. 19, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that's cool because the movie came out in 1988, so obviously... Yeah, so he was George R. R. Martining this before George R. R. Martining was exactly. doing Game of Thrones. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Um, yep. And before this, all he'd done was he like directed and wrote segments for um, Neo Tokyo and Robot Carnival. <laughs> and so I've never heard of any of those. Um, he did some graphic novels or some mangas before... Yes. Um, uh, Domu, I think, was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, his filmography before this was pretty slim. And actually, for I mean, what he was doing with Akira was not a whole lot. So, this yeah. is obviously 
um, all of his stuff is basically about psychics and kids and stuff like that. So yeah, um, and I saw like once they started production on the movie, he would do he'd spend one week working on the movie and then one week writing the ma- the manga. So yep, that's yep. Cool. And it's also it's also good to point out that Tomo's huge influences were some American films like Bonnie and Clyde and uh, easy rider so there you get like the motorcycle fetish yeah thing that makes sense anything about like rebellious youth he was really big into so um well spoiler alert um next week on this show we are reviewing bonnie and clyde oh wow yeah um, oh wow from 1967 i think um i've never seen it so i'm excited also since you brought up motorcycles um Yesterday, I was just minding my own business driving down the street, and I got pulled over by a cop on a motorcycle and got my first ever ticket. And then I come and watch Why this. Were you, were, you, were you speeding? Yes. Mm. Um, I didn't know it. I was having a good day. I rolled the windows down, was listening to music, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to jump on the interstate. I'm going to take the, the scenic route. Um, I had no clue what the speed limit was, so it was my bad. But yeah. then I had to come watch this movie, and there's just motorcycles everywhere, and it's taunting me. But, hey, it happens. Follow, follow the rules of the road. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and so another interesting thing about this was that the manga was published by Marvel under Epic Comics, um, and it was one of the first mangas to be completely translated to English, which I thought is pretty cool, and some of our listeners might enjoy that. Yeah. I had the English version, so. Cool. Um, and then I saw um, Otomo also wrote uh, a Batman comic, or maybe he did the illustrations for it. Is Batman black and white, I think? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. So another superhero connection. Uh, so that's kind of all I have on the background. If you have anything <laughs> cool to bring up, you can. Nope. No, I okay. think we... Well, this was at the time the most expensive uh, animation film of all of the time. Yeah. So up until then, this was the most expensive. So, And, I mean, I can see why, because it's crazy. Um, yeah, so it was over, like, 160,000 frames. Yep. So, you know, you're 24 frames a second, two-hour film. Yeah. You can do the math. And then another cool thing about that was they said this movie has 327 different colors, and 50 were created exclusively for the film. Yep. yep. Which, the paint the paint company that they got their paint from literally had to invent new colors. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, you know, I it's weird. I remember it in high school. Someone's like, imagine creating a new color. What color, color would it yeah. be? And I'm just, I have no clue. How does that even work? Well, that's um, like saying, if you could invent a number, what number would you invent? Exactly. Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so before we get into not really the plot but i kind of want to go into the characters um okay i wrote their names down and then a little bit about them so if you have anything to bring up just say it let me know how you feel about each character um the first one is canada i'm probably it's more like canada Canada. not like the country yeah yes um uh I said he's a carefree delinquent and a leader of their motorcycle gang. Um, he's kind of the main protagonist. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, he's on 
the movie poster with the jackets and the mm-hmm. motorcycle but i mean he you can argue who the main character of this movie is but it, yeah. yeah so yeah so and it, the film kind of opens on him and then it shifts over to somebody else we'll get into but yeah it, it's it's weird so yeah keep going yeah i was especially since i'd never seen it i saw the cover you know dude in a red jacket and a red motorcycle i was like oh that's akira and then it opens with him <laughs> and they're calling him canada and i was like well that's not akira like yep. what's going on and um, technically akira is really not a character in this movie, yeah so, yeah. Um, so another character is tetsuo is that how you say it tetsuo tetsuo okay yeah there's an s yeah um he was like canada's um sidekick but after a incident on his motorcycle um he kind of becomes the antagonist and i would say he's kind of the main character because it focuses on his transformation and yeah, then yeah um, so He's got a little bit more backstory too about his parents abandoning him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he kind of growing up, getting beat up, um, and then Canada kind of being his protector, but also kind of they had that relationship where if someone's going to beat you up, it's going to be me, sort of deal. Yeah. So um, that's kind of important too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I have Key. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a member of. Well, she, a, that's K, that's K. K. Yes. Okay. K. Yes. Um, she is a member of a terror terrorist resistance movement. I would say. Yep. She is a terrorist. She is yes. Yeah. Um, and then she's kind of like a medium. I don't know if that's intentional, but um, I don't know. That's how I would describe her. No. Yes. Yeah, she is. Yes. Okay. Yes. That is correct. Cool. Um, and then. One more thing before we go into more characters is that this movie is set in 2019. Yeah, we've now passed it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't quite get the future right, but one year later, 2020, there were all these marches and protests, and, you know, it kind of resembled yeah. it. Um, yeah. yeah. So weren't too far well, off. Well, and then... The Olympics were to take place in Tokyo in this in 2019, mm-hmm. which they were supposed to take place last year, but of course did not. But yeah, yeah so it was pretty close. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I think in the movie there's like a commercial or something, and they say let's um, like postpone the Olympics due to Tetsuo's craziness or something. Um, and it was like 165 days before the Olympics were supposed to take place. And that's yeah. when they ended up postponing the Olympics <laughs> this year was like 165 days before they announced was, they were yeah, going to. Kind of eerie. Yeah. Um, and then another character. Sorry to go off topic, I guess. Um, another character is the Colonel. I don't have his real name. The down. Colonel. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, he's the head of like a secret government project uh, that conducts research on psychics, I guess. Do they make them psychics or were they already psychic? No, they discovered. So the government project was to find psychics. Okay. Um, they actually call them espers. So yes. E-S-P-E-R, espers. Um, so the, their project is like to find those mm-hmm. people like that. Um, 
I will tell you as the, as the older I get, the more I kind of sympathize and relate more to the colonel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, but to me, you know, we can talk about who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. But to me, the colonel is kind of the good guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, he's trying to like protect people and keep things from happening. And so to me, there's a lot of moral ambiguity like going on, but the colonel seems like to me like the good guy. So yeah, um, and I think Canada uh, also has a little bit of moral ambiguity because he can be like a dick at times. Yeah, um, and kind and of a womanizer. Yeah, and then at other times, you know, he's out there trying to save the day. So I think it's pretty awesome that they have like in the short amount of time that this movie was, I think two hours and two minutes, um, they could like, I don't know, nail down the characters like that. Yeah. That Well, and then in Canada is a kid from the streets mm-hmm. and you got to realize too, like they don't show parents or any sort of really like authority figures, except for people in the school who yeah. abuse them and stuff. So these kids are, are growing up, not trusting authority or, or adults. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that affects you in a way. Uh, that was funny when they went to the trade school and discipline. Yeah. He'd just smack all of them and yell discipline. Um, yeah. I was laughing. Um, so when you have kids one day, Alex, just do that. That's okay. okay there just we go. Say, just make sure you say discipline <laughs> while you're doing it. Yeah. Then it's fine. Um, and then like you mentioned, there's the espers. Um, I kind of no, narrow, narrowed that okay. down to the three main children, yep. elderly children. Um, from what I understood of it is they were taken when they were kids in like 1988 or whatever. Um, the blast happened and they still like age, but they keep their body, I guess. Yeah. So they were under some drugs and stuff like that. So do you want to talk about the blast or do you want to go through the kid, all the characters first? Um, I mean, that's about all I have for the characters other than Akira. So we can talk about the blast. Yeah. So, the film opens with a kind of silent destruction event. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have to realize that in Japan, they had a, an apocalyptic event mm-hmm. and that's basically what's going on here. Um, and you know, and then, so the outside world outside of Tokyo in Japan thought this was kind of the start of world war three. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kicks off world war three and then we kind of rebuild, and now we're in Neo Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're right, though. I mean, with the with the atomic bomb and stuff, it really makes Japan culturally in the real world kind of afraid that anything and everything could happen in a split second, and yeah. everything could change. Yeah, I was not expecting, um, you know, like their entire city to get destroyed in this movie, because you know, like if we were watching an American movie where just the whole East coast like explodes, you know, we're just like, Holy crap. That's so many people dead. And then in this movie, they just like destroy an entire city and yep. just never really talk about like yeah the damage that happened. And yeah, I think they might mention like a million people died or something, but yeah, it's literally like at the very end of the movie and they never really kind of linger on the fact that, you know, Tokyo in 1988 real or, fake mm-hmm. there's millions of people that live there and and not only that but everything around it and then you know the when there's a nuclear blast it's not just now it's 
in the future too is is affecting people. So yeah, yeah they never really touch on that. So, but it's really important for the Japanese culture to also show a post-apocalyptic event mm-hmm. or an, apo- an apocalyptic event, but also show like rebuilding mm-hmm. um, because that's what they had to do. So they always kind of show like, yes, we had this event, but now here we are and we've moved on and we've survived. Yeah. And even excelled in some like yeah, stages. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting that blast. Like it looked beautiful i'm not sure how it looked back when it came out on vhs um i mean you you, there's a reason why this thing has held up to the test of time over Mm -hmm. 30 years so i mean at the time it was mind-blowing yeah it's like silent and it's like the movie opens up and all you hear is kind of the wind and then there's this silence and then there's this explosion yeah and it's like cut to two guys walking into a bar it's like kind of just all right there's this huge explosion now let's get into the movie yeah that's literally it yep um and i since they start out um it's kind of a post-apocalyptic motorcycle chase they're chasing these the rival gang that's a bunch of clowns that was giving me like mad max fury road vibes i know it's two completely different types of post-apocalyptic worlds but um i i could see how uh, Fury Road probably took some from oh, yeah. Akira. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's got that music with the percussion and stuff. The mm. music in this is, dude. I don't, I don't know what you think, but the music is unbelievable. Yeah. When it kicks in in certain times, you're just like, you know. And there's music cues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tetsuo has his own theme song. It's almost like the Imperial 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 March, like in Star Wars. Like, um, so yeah. There's all these cues. There's you know, bells when they're Akira is kind of taking effect and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the music and the sound is amazing. Yeah. I took note of it. I really want to watch it again and um, kind of focus on the audio because my roommate was working while I was watching it. And so I, that's the only reason I took notice of it because like, I was like, Oh, I should probably turn this down because he's working. Oh. Uh, so I do need to rewatch it and, I don't know, take more note, but I was impressed by the score, I guess. Um, And then I wanted to ask you, I guess we'll talk about the plot some before I ask you a few more questions. Um, But like I mentioned earlier is Tetsuo gets in a motorcycle accident while they're chasing the clowns and he hits one of the espers and Mm -hmm. Takashi. Yes. And it kind of, starts does that give him powers or yeah do you... it's kind of it's the event that kicks off his powers okay um i, I don't really remember why it does but yes mm-hmm. it, that's the catalyst to, for his powers okay yeah and so it is important to note that he is older now than when most people come into their powers yeah they're kids um so that's important to note. i never really I mean, I obviously noticed that he was much older than they were, but I didn't really think about how that could have impacted his development. Yeah. yeah. So, so think of it as Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, basically. Yeah. The Jedi are afraid to train him because he's older. He's can't really be indoctrinated as well. Mm-hmm. And he's got kind of, he's got this edge to him because he's lived, basically been on the streets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to play into how you 
use your powers because Tetsuo grew up powerless too. So, yeah. you know, one of the themes in this movie is what happens when people come into power. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you have kids that you can kind of mold and help create, that's one thing. But if you have this person who's been bullied all their life and has zero power and, you know, he's, you know, drawn to be really skinny and kind of small. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess moving on from that plot wise, the army shows up and they're like, hey, we're going to take the the little psychic kid and um, go get Tetsuo some help. And instead of getting him some help, they kind of start running tests on him. Yep. They... Did you get the reference um, when he's at the test facility? No. Someone stole this part for a music video. Which oh. I don't know if you can go back and watch it now, but yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking um, about? Kanye West? Stronger? Kanye West Power. Power. Oh, Power. Oh, Stronger. Stronger. Yes. Stronger. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, you're right. Yes. Yeah. They I... stole that. Literally stole it. <laughs> yeah. I ended up watching it because I kept seeing like it, it came up like, Oh, Kanye West was influenced by this, and then I had to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, oh, a guy, you know, uh, a guy who's obsessed with power, loving a movie about power, huh? Man, yeah. Man. Um, and then also Lupe Fiasco has an album called Tetsuo and Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to listen to that, never knew what it meant. Never knew, yeah. Yeah. But hey, now I do. Um, so, oh, I also read that the. The machine that like makes a noise while they're running the tests was taken from Alien. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can't remember the name of like the computer in Alien. Um, I think it's, it's like not how that's two thousand and one. Yeah, so. which is an incredible movie. Um, I watched that for. The I've first always been time. an Aliens two person, so you know that's. I've seen Aliens quite a few, or Alien quite a few times, but Aliens is like my. My go-to. Okay. I prefer Alien. Okay. But, hey, different strokes, different folks. (laughs) Um, Or is it the other way around? It doesn't matter. Um, So, moving on from there, I think they go into some of the terrorist activity stuff. Um, Yeah, they run into Kay. That's kind of where they they meet Kay for the first time. Uh, I thought it was weird. Uh, Canada and Kay's relationship if you can call it that not or, or yeah or not relationship <laughs> yeah it was really awkward at one point when um i don't have the name of the guy that ryu yeah ryu um she was hanging around with or working with and Kanada, yeah, he's a part of the terrorist group yeah Canada <laughs> was like does he know about us and she's like what do you mean know about us like we're nothing i just met you yeah it was pretty funny um hey they- Shoot your shot, man. Yeah, I guess. If that's how you do it. Um, <laughs> so, where where do you want to go from here? Um, um, so, yeah. So, I think Tetsuo escaping is kind of the big kind of turning point of this movie. Mm-hmm. Because he kind of um, meets back up with... Um, uh, Kari, who is like his girlfriend. Um, and I guess when we're talking about good people, she might be like the best person in the film because she like actually cares for Tetsuo. Yeah. Um, and you know, when everyone else is worried about, um, you know, 
all this other stuff, she's like concerned about Tetsuo. Mm. Um, they steal a bike, or they steal Kanada's motorcycle, which is kind of that uh, the red iconic motorcycle. Because mm-hmm. um, then this leads to the body horror stuff, which is really big in this movie. So yeah, they they get caught by the clowns. Uh, they kind of the one part of the uncomfortable part of this movie is like when Kari gets kind of semi raped. Yep. Um, and Kanada or in, in Tetsu was actually a little bit seems more upset about the motorcycle than Kari. He's like, if you lay a finger, if you scratch that bike, and you're like, dude, they're all over your, your girl. Yeah. Um, he even like tells her to shut up at one point. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. and then just walks away. Um, yeah. And, a- and so, and, and then, like, you're starting to get this where Tetsuo has this. He doesn't have the ability to kind of contain his pain and, mm-hmm. and what is going on in his head because of the fact that he's much older and these powers are much stronger than his body can basically contain. Yeah. Um, and so he's literally like his body's literally trying to like implode in a way and showing like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has these visions of like his guts falling out in which I, I, I enjoy cause like you see it and then like they show like Canada and the rest of the people watching him and like, it's obviously not falling out, but like, you see him like trying to put it back in yeah. and there's no, you know, there's nothing there. I always thought that was kind of a cool shot that, you know, in his head, like his guts are falling out and mm-hmm. then you see him from a different point of view and he's like, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, that was kind of, this is part one of the turning point in this movie where I was like, Oh, this isn't just like, I don't know, like avatar, the last airbender or something like, <laughs> This, no. this is a lot darker than that once his guts yeah, it, started falling out. And it's way more adult and dark and complex than something that's more straightforward. Yeah, and then the other half of that was when um, the other espers are trying to like... Oh, mess with him? Yeah, mess with him and they like, they have this huge stuffed animal and it starts like leaking milk everywhere. Yeah, it's like yeah yeah it's very like pussy too yeah like it's weird it's yeah yeah that's that was the point i was just like i don't know what's going on but i like it much more than i thought i would so yeah and then like they even mentioned that the espers actually mentioned that later on like yeah we kind of screwed up and made him mad because Mm -hmm. we tried to mess with him so yeah you know i guess the kind of spearhead things so tetsuo gets powers he doesn't really know what, what to do with those powers. He can't control them. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously has psychic abilities in his learning about this person named Akira, who he believes will have the answer to what is going on with him. Um, so his kind of main objective is finding where Akira is to figure out what's going on with him um, is kind of the overarching thing. But you have some other things going on, too. Um Kay and Ryu are in a group mm-hmm. that is actually kind of a splinter group of like the council. So the the rat looking guy, yeah, uh, uh, Nizu, mm-hmm. uh, he basically is kind of funding their terrorist group. I don't know if you kind of put that together, but not really. Um, yeah, so so their group is kind of taking orders from him because their main goal is to get the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because the kids basically, if they can essentially leak all the stuff that's happened, 
Um, and, and so that's why they were kept alive and, and kind of put away in like this giant baby room, mm-hmm. which like all that stuff is gigantic, like baby stuff. It's, it's really weird, but mm-hmm. you know, that they, they are kind of stunted in their developments, but they look old. They look real creepy. Like yeah. it is really creepy the way they draw. And you know, one of them is almost bedridden and the other guy has a cool chair. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Um, so Ryu and, and uh, Kay um, essentially are going to go kind of infiltrate the, I guess, the hospital where uh, Tetsuo is because you know they're trying to get him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Kanada kind of says, "Hey, he's my friend. If you're going to go, then I want to go." Yeah. So. Um, um, so one thing about the espers real quick, it made me think of like stranger things, how they had like the kids and they were trying to, yeah, they had like I mean, powers and stuff. Um, they even number them kind of yeah. like the way they do here. Exactly. Um, so, so, which I think is weird cause they don't really go into it here, but I always, maybe this is a manga thing, but the, the higher the number, mm-hmm. the stronger the key. Like, it's actually their power level mm. um, and not the number they were, like, experimented on, I think. Okay. I could be wrong, but I, that that's what I thought. Because um, then, I don't know if they mentioned it in the movie, but Tetsuo would be 41. So I always thought, oh. like, oh, there was, like, 13 or 12 in between Akira and Tetsuo. But I don't think that's the case. Okay. So I think his potential power is, you know, 41 or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, so I thought that Tetsuo wanted to find Akira because someone said, oh, Akira is the most powerful. And I think Tetsuo said even more powerful than me. And they were like, yeah. And so from my first watch, I was like, oh, he wants to go and kill Akira because he's the strong. He wants to prove that he's the strongest and that he doesn't need anyone's help. Anytime. Yeah, and again, that's another thing with Tetsuo is he's always telling people, especially Kana, to like stop, you know, pushing me around and stop trying to rescue me. Yeah. And stop trying to, you know, order him around. So yeah, he's trying to be kind of he becomes like Lord Tetsuo mm-hmm. in the manga. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's still trying to find. I mean, he can accomplish two things at once. He can get yeah. answers, and then yeah. So cool. Um, and. I thought it was awesome whenever they first show like the Akira sign. Um, essentially, he's deep underground in like this vault. cryo chamber. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a bunch of tubes and stuff running from it. And it like I think it just zooms in and it says like Akira number twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm pretty pumped. I thought he's just gonna. I thought they were going to just bust him out and then he was going to wreak havoc or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He ended up kind of doing that. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm never good at remembering the exact chronological order of when things happen. Um, no, it's fine. Yeah. But I kind of want to move to um, Tetsuo. They said that, 
uh, Akira was under the Olympic Stadium. Um, yes, which is kind of right next to old Tokyo. Like the the blast is like pretty visible from where they are, yeah. so they can kind of see the old Tokyo and then where they are now, rebuilding essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was cool whenever the police were like, "Hey, civilian, get away from here! Like no one's allowed in over here." And then they like zoomed in and they're like, "Oh crap! It's this guy that's been wreaking yeah. havoc." All yeah, there's the also city. that one scene where he like takes out the helicopter mm-hmm. and the the tank and stuff. Yeah, that stuff is really cool. I mean, they do things in this movie that essentially even now, like you couldn't do some of this stuff, you know, with eight million dollars or whatever it was. Yeah, you know, you would have to do it. This you have to do it animation style because mm-hmm. they're, I mean they're doing things, especially like with lighting. Like when the motorcycles are going, they leave that trail of lights. Like all that stuff mm-hmm. is just, um, you know, only could be done basically in this style of anime. So yeah, exactly. Um, and once he gets to Olympic Stadium, he he goes and finds, opens the cryo chamber that Akira's in. Lift, basically lifts it up out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of when you see how strong he is. And then he opens it up and it's just a bunch of tubes with Akira's DNA in it. Yeah, it's got all of his like body parts and yeah, stuff in it. I definitely wasn't expecting that. And it's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Um, they like, I don't know, showed it up close and I don't remember what it was. Maybe like a piece of his spine. It was just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I was just like what is going on right now? Cause I just assumed he's going to open it up and Akira was going to pop out and save the day. It wasn't that. Yeah. Um, so that's what happens in the manga. Like Akira and Tetsuo basically form an alliance and then like they wreak havoc and then they have people who kind of worship them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It gets, so I think Tetsuo and Akira meet in like book four of six or something like that. So there's way more after, this ends mm-hmm. then then you know obviously the movie so okay um, but yeah you would get that in the manga yeah like akira is way bigger in in that nice um and when he's at olympic stadium that's when more of the body horror starts happening yeah um his arm gets lasered off first yeah um, so he gets shot and and what kind of i've always thought is like when he gets hurt, he really can't. His body is kind of failing him to keep everything inside. Um, so when mm. that happens, like his weak spot, like it starts to like turn into like this. Basically, it becomes like this weird like flesh monster. Did yeah. you ever play? Did you ever play Inside? No. Okay. There's a part in that movie or in that game where like you become like this fleshy thing, and you have you know. In this movie, he's like he's got a lot of finger, extra fingers and mm-hmm. toe. It's really gross, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when he gets shot, like his body kind of fails to keep everything inside. Of I him. like that. So yeah, yeah, he gets shot, and um, then like he gets lasered. Also, the laser was around his whole body, and then he only lost an arm. Um, oh, you're talking about the hammer, the soul, the hammer of dawn thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. When that happened, I was like, you know, okay, yeah. maybe he moved out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, 
also Kanada is pretty close to that blast yeah. too, and you know he's just a normal human being. So yeah, yeah. I mean I'm I'm just nitpicking here. Um, yeah. But yeah, once he loses his arm, and then it starts like he starts growing that like huge meaty. Actually, first off, he gets a the metal, metal arm. arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then once he loses that, like that's when he just starts become the huge like blob of flesh that is terrifying. Yes. Um, Imagine what that would be to animate that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And. I think they did that in Rick and Morty. Um, like they all became like yes, weird flesh yes. monsters, and I assume like this that's was a reference. A, yeah, yeah. Um, I which I didn't know whenever I watched that on Rick and Morty. So yeah, it's cool to see that. Um, yeah, once he was turning into that blob, my roommate like walked over because he heard a lot of commotion and was also just like. What kind yep. of movie is this? And I could tell, like, he wanted to watch it now. Yeah, so I guess also, too, to be fair, like, when they're at the Olympic Stadium and he's turning, everything after that is, like, the movie's weird up until this point, but it turns, like, the weirdness up to, like, a level that is almost, like, incomprehensible. Like, it's weird. Like, when you say weird, it is weird. Yeah, um, which... I like in my movies. I assume you do as well. Yes. Yes. Um, are you a David Lynch fan? I am. Um, not as much as I wanted. I'm more of a, like a Mulholland drive. Yeah. As opposed to like a racer head. So yeah, exactly. Um, Twin I'm, Peaks. I like Twin Peaks a lot. I mean, stuff that's like weird, but also like you can follow it in yeah. a way. Like it's not so obtuse that it's just like pretentious and like, navel gazing a little bit exactly i just yeah. started watching twin peaks and like whenever i was watching this i was like yeah this kind of reminds me of twin peaks like just the weirdness factor but it doesn't take you out of it yeah um, yeah cool and this is when like you said um the girl comes his girlfriend comes and like tries talking to him yeah um, Kyrie. yeah and i don't think it works if I can no. remember correctly. No, she gets crushed to death. Yes. Um, and he starts like, he also crushes the Colonel to death. Uh, I can't remember if he gets out or no. Not. Cause at the very end, he's alive. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. He just starts sucking in everything he can. And then yeah. the, but he's also like, got this, like, a, like Tetsuo, the little kid is also kind of in there too. So you can hear him kind of screaming for help. Yeah. But like his body won't let him do anything. So yeah. Um, which I, I love his character, even though he's, you know, a bad guy. There's so well, is many, he a bad guy. I guess is not. He? Like it's, I mean, he, so he, his main thing is like, he's trying to figure out what is going on with him. And mm -hmm. I was going to save this question for later, but I'll just say it now. Okay. Do you think this movie is an allegory for puberty? I, I can see it. Yeah. So someone mentioned that to me. I don't know. I forget when it was. So this is not my original thought, but they uh -huh. said you could literally say this is about a boy going through puberty and trying to figure out what is going on with his body. And I was like, you know what? It actually works. Like, yeah, that does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, literally what he's trying to do is figure out what's going on. He's been powerless his whole life. Mm -hmm. He's given unlimited power almost. Um, but he's, 
he doesn't want to he can't trust the doctors because they're going to do experiments and try to you know manipulate him the mm-hmm. military obviously will try to use him as a weapon the government will do something so it's like he has nowhere he can't trust anybody so you know his only move is to kind of be on his own so i i mean yes he does kill people and stuff but yeah. he doesn't kill Kyrie on like on purpose or anything like mm-hmm. that like um it's now he did go to the like the bar and you know kill that guy but yeah that guy's also a drug dealer so you know so yeah, yeah. um it could also be like um once the powers come in they take over and they're yeah. the ones doing that and he's not actually doing it yeah because like they said like he has he's older he doesn't he doesn't know how to control that stuff because yeah. he's not you know the, the drugs the drugs in the manga play a much bigger part mm-hmm. um they kind of help keep things under control a little bit that's why the kids are the way they are um because of the drugs so okay um and then a the kids can you go over what their plot was um like uh, not like the role in the plot well i guess kind of there but like were they trying to like whenever they used k as a medium um and then they woke up akira and like mm-hmm. gave yep. him a body i'm kind of confused on that well so they they are not they know they're not as strong so tetsuo is could be stronger than Akira. Mm-hmm. Akira was stronger than all three of them combined. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they were going to do anything to kind of stop Tetsuo, they were going to need to kind of call in Akira for help. Mm-hmm. Um, K is just a vessel for um, uh, what is her name? Uh, oh, I don't Kariko. Have... Yeah, Kiriko. Yeah. So, obviously, she can't move around like a, you know, a 15-year-old girl could. So, they use her body as kind of a way to fight off um, Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and, and yeah. So, th- they're just, I mean, they're weird. Um, but they can, they also have, like, precognitive ability, too. So, they know kind of what's going to happen. She, you know, mentions that she has seen the city crumble mm-hmm. um and you know the colonel's like we gotta take this serious because you know she can see this stuff and you know it's coming um so that's kind of what they're trying to stop is this crumbling of the city so okay. and how do they i guess bring akira back that i don't really ever know if that's explained yeah um because he's there um, because, you know, he's been made to be noticed around, you know, every time you hear the, the ding and stuff like that. And you'll, you know, you hear Akira, you know, mm-hmm. you, he's there. Um, it's not like he just automatically appeared, like he's around, um, you know, he can't do anything. So I guess like when he is brought up to the surface and all of his stuff is like destroyed, like maybe that let him out in some sort mm-hmm. of way, um, but he's so at the beginning, you gotta think that explosion is caused by Akira kind of transcending the world and becoming like, you know, greater than the world in, in a way. So yeah. basically, he's a god, so he can come and go as he wants. Okay. Um, so this could be his time where he chooses to come back 
to kind of take down Tetsuo. Yeah, and then, so I guess how he takes down Tetsuo, from my interpretation of it, is he he takes him to like the other dimension to where he can't hurt anyone else. Kind of, they create a new dimension essentially, a new okay. universe. Uh, so you know they create this universe, and then when they leave, like that universe kind of lets out all this energy and kind of destroys the city in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, you know, they they basically do another transition, like to another place, and then mm-hmm. kind of they're gone. And, and it's weird because there's a lot of Canada inside kind of the outside of the blast and then he's back inside and yeah. he's flying around. It's very confusing. And I think it's supposed to be that way. Um, because you know, I, I don't know just to kind of let it be sort of weird. And I think a lot of times, you know, us as Americans, we want things to be pretty straightforward. That's mm-hmm. not how things are in anime. Sometimes there's just that ambiguity going on. Yeah. So, um, it's okay not to like understand every second of this movie because mm-hmm. you're not. If you just watch it, you're not. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see like my my dad, dad, if you're listening, hello. Um, <laughs> he is one of those people that like wants the movie kind of spelled out for you, wants to know um, exactly yeah. what's going on. And I'm not that way, so I kind of like this where I'm like, I at the end i'm just sitting there my eyes are wide and i'm like i don't know what just happened but it was beautiful and i can tell like something existential was happening i just yeah exactly i can't comprehend what it was and maybe that's the point because you know the people that were there might have not comprehended yeah yeah i mean you basically just saw a universe created right in front of you yeah i Um, mean you see it in the doctor the doctor basically has like this orgasmic sort of look on his face like when he sees this universe created and literally Canada puts it in his hands and closes his hands and it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is pretty crazy. Um, do you have anything else that you want to touch on? Cause I kind of hit on, we've kind of hit on all of my points that I had about the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen this movie like countless times, mm-hmm. but this time I noticed, um, a scene. It's a flashback scene with, Tetsuo in Canada and they're playing on the playground Mm -hmm. and this is like kind of right after Tetsuo like finds his powers um and he's playing and Tetsuo's standing on like literally the cement which is like the foundation and it starts to like crumble underneath him and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like oh this is Tetsuo figuring out like showing that like his foundation of his world is crumbling underneath him and like his relationship with Canada is crumbling and it's not going to be the same after this and i've literally seen this movie so many times and then this scene was like oh that's what it is yeah um and then one other scene that stood out to me and i know it's going to confuse you because it's confused me every time <laughs> okay uh so the doctor and the colonel are taking the elevator ride down to the cryo chamber okay so they're having a conversation and you know they're all dressed up in their cold stuff Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a different elevator ride where they're talking about rebuilding the city. And then they cut back to the elevator ride going down. the. And I don't know why they did that cut to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. rebuilding the city when they could have had that conversation going down the elevator to the cryo chamber. But mm-hmm. it's just this weird scene. It's like a scene within a scene. And it 
never has made sense to me and I still don't know why they do it but it, it's just weird it's the one part of this movie that I don't think like works really okay. and it's like five seconds but it's just weird yeah I didn't even notice it yeah yeah so yeah this is definitely one that I want to go back and rewatch um, even yesterday whenever I finished watching it I was like I kind of just want to watch it again later tonight but I'm gonna give it you know more of a buffer and watch yeah, it later. I mean, also like you put it on in like once you're in that motorcycle stuff like mm-hmm. you're in yeah like you're in exactly and, you know so like one of those things where it's like the movie just goes from there mm-hmm. and you might as well just hang on because it's going like there is not a wasted moment in this movie mm-hmm. and that's also like a big thing with me is when there is like a low spot right before you know the final climax or whatever um, and in this, it, it doesn't really have that. Like I'm still invested whenever it's not just action. Like, um, I'd say it's probably like that heart to heart moment with Tetsuo and his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, like I was still deeply invested in it. Like I was just on the edge of my sh- seat, like the entire movie, just yeah, waiting for what was next. No, I mean, it, like I said, like there's not a whole lot of fat on this movie, mm-hmm. like for two hours and four minutes, like Again, you're in the action in two minutes. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. It literally does not stop. Yeah. And, like, it just speaks to, I guess, how awesome um, Otomo was with this movie. Like, he brought enough stuff over from the manga to where everything made sense. All the characters had, like, a deeper level to them. But also, he didn't include too much to where it was overwhelming or, you know, it bogged anything down. Yeah. Um, the religious stuff I kind of wish was a little bit more in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's like these crazy, like religious zealots. You kind of see the woman with the whites in the big, like almost like Afro looking thing. Yeah. Um, that's a huge character in the manga. Um, here she dies on the bridge. Um, mm. But yeah, so it's like, that's kind of cool. Cause she just gets a cameo, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so so like every character in here, like even like weird like there's the one guy in the biker gang that you know, he's like fourth bill in the gang. Mm-hmm. He makes it to the end and like you're like really happy that he's there, yeah. you know, it's it's crazy. Um with that religious lady, so they were calling for the like rebirth of Akira. Uh-huh. And then Tetsuo has his powers. Were they thinking that he was like the second coming of Akira? Yes. Okay. That's what I interpreted it as, but I wasn't positive. Um, Man, that's unfortunate because he was like just murdering people. Yeah. Um, But well, I mean, technically, Akira murdered millions of people. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I guess so. So, with all that being said, I guess we'll move on to the rating system. Brad, on a scale of one to three, what would you rate Akira? Seven. Seven. <laughs> no, huh? it's a three. It's a, yeah, it's, I, you know, not only for, like, for me, like, did this movie open up a lot of different avenues, but, I mean, you can see how this movie influenced everything after it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is, like, one of the most important science fiction films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, if you want to make a top five and this movie isn't in it, I want to see what those movies are Mm because I think this is quintessential. So, um, yeah, 
I wish I could go back and see it for the first time like you because yeah. I'm kind of jealous because um, I can't remember what it was like. But I mean, even now I'm seeing stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I also rated a three. Um, it's incredible. And I can't wait to watch it again. Um, so my next thing is I normally have a recommendation based on the movie I just watched. I was wondering what your recommendation would be for people that either just watch this or they haven't watched this and you think, oh, they might like this movie. If you like yeah. this movie, check out Akira. Um, so obviously I think the next one in line would be like Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. um, which that just got a 4K release mm-hmm. as well. Um, I like that one not as much as Akira, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's things like, uh, you know, like a Ninja Scroll, which is a little bit... Uh, grosser in a way like there's some i don't know that one is like harder to recommend because there's some scenes in it that aren't too great okay um there's like evangelion neon genesis which is on netflix right now which is kids and mechs but it's way more than that um i will tell you that you know i do like anime quite a bit but i'm like mainstream Mm -hmm. so you know dragon ball z you know is another one that I, i i like a lot um but you know, Appleseed is another one. So there are the like the big ones that I think people need to see. But I think the main one would be Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like that live action remake. Um, that you know, it, it's perfectly serviceable. Um, you know, I and again, I think they've always talked about doing a live action remake of this movie. Yeah, and it's been I think someone's had the rights for it since like '02. Yep. I just don't see it happening for a long time because it seems almost impossible. Yeah, it does. Um, the How I discovered Akira was actually from... They announced uh, Taika Waititi was going to be doing the live action. Yep. Um, and then that's... He's not anymore. Yeah, since he he like signed on to do the new Thor the, movie. Thor, yeah. Um, yeah. And so they got to push it back. Um yeah, because I think Leonardo DiCaprio at some point, his production company was attached to it and something Dang. like it was like maybe like Will Smith's one. Like mm-hmm. it's had this weird thing where every two or three years it comes back up and I'm like, you know, you can't. You just can't. Yeah, so. it seems impossible to do like a live action movie that does this justice. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, like I mentioned earlier next week. Uh, my friend Austin Ramsey is going to be returning to do Bonnie and Clyde from 1967. Neither of us have seen it. Wow. Um, it's one of those where I I want to have guests on um, to not pick their favorite movie and just like be like, hey, <laughs> I'm into this thing. So Let's, not like me. <laughs> no, I just feel bad when someone's like, oh, I love this movie. And no, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. You better um, love it. Yeah. Um, so we're both going to watch one that we haven't seen before. He was on the second episode, The Last Airbender. And um, a listener told me that it's when he laughs, it sounds like he's in love with me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that. Um, Dude, you made someone watch Avatar. <laughs> he made me watch it. That's uh, the yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, but Ugh. yeah, Brad, thank you for joining. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and then I thank you for having me on before Troy. Like uh, I know course. you through Troy and I'm on before him, which I feel is awesome. And his daughter was on before yeah. him. Um 
You know, you just have Cameron on next, and then he could be fourth. <laughs> there we go. We could just make Troy keep waiting. Yeah. Um, I do think he's going to be on for Top Gun because I haven't seen it. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. And he's a big Tom Cruise. He loves guy. Top Gun. Yes, yes. Um, so, with all that being said, Brad, thanks again, and tell everyone where to find you. Tell them about Not a Bomb. And yeah, yeah. So I host a podcast with uh, my buddy Troy. It's called Not a Bomb. We look at films that either bombed financially or critically or both. Um, and kind of examine why and if they deserve to be a bomb. Um, we have a website. It's not a bomb podcast, uh, dot com. If you go there, you can find this podcast on there. Yeah. Um, and we're on, you know, all the social medias, things like that. Um, right now we are, you know, looking for some more suggestions. Um, what are we doing this week? Oh, we're watching Serenity this week, um, which is the, uh, kind of the movie club like climax of the series firefly so yes. watching firefly right now awesome uh yeah it's got nathan fillion in it mm-hmm. um it's josh whedon so yeah um yeah awesome. so that's what we're doing great and um when are you guys going to do blade runner because i know that lost a lot of money and i know that you love that movie so we talked about you know we're doing some big movies that like milestone episodes Blade okay. Runner might have to be a while because you know, you just can't do Blade Runner on a, a random Tuesday. Yeah. That's so, true. Um, yeah. Cause like Troy wants to do big trouble in little China and that's that was, another one. It's yeah. like, well, you can't just do it. You got to kind of have some momentum for it. Um, like it's, it's funny cause like Ghostbusters two was like the Genesis for our show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we still haven't done that because we're like, well, we kind of need to wait for it to be special. So we're putting off all these big ones for special episodes. So we better keep doing it for a while so yeah. we can get to these. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, big Trouble in Little China was my first ever Blu-ray. Troy wow. bought it for me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I hated it whenever I watched it. Oh, and my then gosh. I've watched it since then, and it's pretty awesome. So yes. I'm excited for that one, too. Um yeah, and then I guess where you guys can find me, um, just anywhere you listen to podcasts, Friends with Cinefits, um, on Twitter, at CinefitsPod, and then, like Brad said, notabombpodcast.com. Um, yes, that's correct. And We'll have you back on again at some point in time. Okay. Because we got to you know get you to these movies that you haven't seen. Yeah, exactly. Um so, yeah, I'd, if you guys want to listen, I recommend the Ready to Rumble episode that I appeared on. Um, you can hear me have a meltdown for an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Well, Brad, thanks again for being on. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Okay. You know, maybe we'll talk about Blade Runner 2049 or something like that. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks again. And everybody, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.